Welcome to Baptist Vices. This podcast is designed to engage the Baptist community in challenging thought. We hope to not just promote negative propaganda that is raised against Baptist thought, but to biblically analyze some of these thoughts and provide biblical solutions. We hope you enjoy today's program. And now your host, Dr. Steve Dameron. Welcome to Baptist Vices, as we say the doc is in the house, and we're going to have Dr. Phil Stringer on with us today as a guest, and we're going to be discussing the King James issue, and so I guess you could say that our Baptist Vice is, why in the world do you keep using that archaic 400-year-old Bible? There's so many so many other options out there. So we're going to discuss it, and then hopefully in the weeks or months to come, we're going to have them back on, and we're going to discuss this issue multiple times in different areas, different facets. And so hopefully you enjoy it. Again, encourage you to look up baptistpulpit.com, an independent Baptist seminary. If you'd like to take a course, uh, we actually are having a module in Dover, Delaware in September with Dr. Sorensen on this King James issue on bibliology. So um, contact us if you're interested in those things. Dr. Phil Stringer will be with us today. Well, it's great to have uh, Dr. Phil Stringer. Did I say that right? The, you did. The most honorable reverend doc. <laughs> All right. That's me. All right. So if you could introduce yourself, I know that you're on the King James Bible Research Council and that is our topic, is why we use the King James. Why in the world are we sticking with that? So, Why, why are we using a 400-year-old translation oh my word. that was considered archaic in the 1700s? Oh. And that's a really good question. It's a fair question. Okay, so why don't yeah. you introduce yourself and some of your background, and then we'll get into some uh, just introducing this subject. Yeah, my name's Phil Stringer. I have uh, been preaching on a regular basis for 51 years. Try to convince people I started when I was three, but I haven't had much luck with that. <laughs> but I have been preaching for 51 years. And the first 10 years I was a preacher, I did not understand this issue anywhere similar to the way I understand it now. And over the course of time and having worked with at Indiana Baptist College, later Landmark Baptist College, and I'm the vice president at Day Spring Bible College, and uh, having addressed these issues, I, I just get a lot of invitations to speak about this. Yep. Uh, with David Brown, I formed the uh, King James Bible Research Council, I think 12 years ago now, uh, to try and address these things in a certain way. And we've just got a wonderful team of people that work with us on that. And it's been my privilege to discuss these things in several countries, Amen. in several formats. Yep. And uh, it's, it is, it's such an important topic, and I find that there's very little actual information about it in the hearts and minds of many people. Yes. So the King James Bible Research Council, you do travel in America and you have meetings and you and I were talking about it because I'm out in Dover, Delaware and in March, the beginning, of, I think it's March 9th or 10th. It might be both days. You're in Bel Air, Maryland. Is that where? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so uh, the meetings that you're having, uh, is this for anybody? Anybody can come sure. to? Yep. 
Okay. Sure, absolutely. Anybody's welcome. It's at the uh, Emerton Baptist Church in Bel Air, Maryland this year. Okay. We have an annual meeting where we try to get all of our guys in, okay. connected to it here to speak. And it's March 9th and 10th. The church there is being very gracious to preachers that are coming, yep. providing housing for them, okay. uh, some of the meals, providing $25 a certificate to be used at the book tables. Well, did and, you did you uh, say free food? Great time. Did you say free, free food? Free food or free books. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. All right. Um, You're coming, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know Baptist preachers, yeah. <laughs> um, so I just encourage you again, and I'll try to mention it at the end. So that's in Bel Air, Maryland, March 9th and 10th. That's a Thursday and Friday. You probably purposely Correct. do that so it's away from other services. That way pastors can't come in. And Correct. you're trying to address different topics about the King James uh, specifically. Yeah. yeah. So what I'd like to do is do an intro into the King James Bible issue, and then we'll do some follow-up podcast in the future as time allows with you and me. The nice thing is that uh, prayerfully uh, we can find uh, a couple. Well, ours aren't really long, the podcast, you know, the 15, 20 minutes, usually we can schedule something like that, but we'll try to do some follow-ups because Great. it seems like there's a resurgence on the attack against the King James uh, Bible Absolutely. again. Absolutely. And so one of my questions is, so you've studied this a lot with the NIV, NSV, um, the New Living Translation, and it seems like there's a, there's a new translation that's just come out in 2020 or 2021. Is that true? Another. There, there are new translations every year. Okay. So, Literally every year. It is a great money making market. Okay. Anybody that produces a new translation for a short period of time, at least, will do a lot of sales. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's appealing. Sure. Yeah. So, one of my questions is within their ranks, like the NIV, the ESV, is there as much fighting as it seems like they do against the King James? You mean against each other? Yes. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not in their ranks. So I can't I know. say for sure. But normally their argument is, well, they're all really the same. Which, yes. Which belies the question, if they're all really the same, why do you have to have another two or three of them every year? Yeah. And if they're all if they're all really the same, just leave us alone. Yeah. That's, absolutely. That's to me. If they're all really the same, just leave us alone. And, and I also, I understand... Um, I think we, we do have to be careful uh, in um, our spirit. Um, I, I, don't think, I don't think there's horrible men out there that are using the NIV. I'm not going to say that they're unsaved, different things like that. I've, I've heard some um, pretty amazing <laughs> accusations, but sure. I think we have to be careful of that. And I don't want to call them ignorant because some of them are very well learned. Um, as far as intellectually and studious, but somehow the King James issue, it's, it like gets a burr in their saddle and it makes them go off when you just yep. are King James only. And, and you notice routinely they say they're all the same. It doesn't matter, but using the King James really upsets them. Yes. If they're all the same and it doesn't matter, why is that such a problem? Yes. So why don't I have you go into, so you've said that you have a number of messages that you've developed. 
And one of them is just kind of an introduction to the issue. So sure. why don't we go through some of that yeah. as far as the introduction? I speak on this all the time, and sometimes I'll be asked to do one message or five or something. Okay. All right. And, uh, but I have an introductory message. Five reasons why I trust the King James Bible. There are more than five. Okay. But this is what I use in an introductory message. Number one, it's based on the right manuscripts. Yep. There's a very, very serious difference between the majority of old Bible manuscripts and the minority. King James Bible is based on the majority, yep. and uh, I don't trust the minority manuscripts at all. Mm-hmm. So it's based on the right manuscripts. Secondly, it's translated by the right men, and by that I mean we're talking about some of the greatest linguists yes. that ever lived on this earth collected together. Yep. And, and it fascinates me, people will say, a better translation would be because they got to see a New Testament Greek when they were in college, and they're really proud. And, and um, you know, I, I will often say, look, I checked this out with 47 of the finest linguists that ever lived, and, and they usually don't know what I just said. What I just said was I read the King James Bible. <laughs> right manuscripts, right men, the right method, the way the group translation effort constantly checking, rechecking, yeah. so that no individual's mistake yeah. could slip through the passage. They use the right method, uh, and uh, they had the right doctrine of Scripture. That doesn't mean these men were perfect. Yes. The men were not inspired. They were dealing with inspired words. Uh, they, but they had the right doctrine of Scripture. They believed God had given every word, and as a result, they believed they were going to answer to God for what they did with his words. That's dramatically different than the loose attitude towards Scripture. Yes. That is behind the vast majority yep. of the new translations. And then finally, it has the right legacies. Look at what is accomplished. Yes. And, and, and this is a challenge. And, and I gave this challenge at the celebration of the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible in Washington, D.C. There, there were people there who certainly wouldn't take our position. But I said, you have to answer this question. Why are we celebrating the 400th anniversary of a translation? There were people saying it was archaic and old in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. So why do millions of people every day in the English-speaking world yep. start their day out with devotions in a King James Bible? Yep. How do you explain its longevity, what is accomplished, and in spite of the endless attempts to replace it, how do you explain why millions of people began this morning with devotions in the King James Bible? Yes, exactly. And so um, that that's an introduction, I would say, to the King James issue. Um, uh, I'm sure they could go and find your message, your full message, and listen to it. I would challenge people to do that. I think a, a couple questions come to mind. Sometimes... Uh, people sitting in the pew think, well, I don't know any Bible languages. Um, I don't know Greek or Hebrew, Hebrew, so I don't know if I really can judge this. So what would you say to someone like that? I, I would say that's not really the issue. Yep. The issue is where did this come from? Yep. Exactly. And, and it interests me, folks advocating these new translations, very rarely ever want to mention who the translators are, what their qualifications are, Yep. what text they used, yep. what methods they used. Yep. A- and uh, it's, it will take our word for it. And uh, this is a historical argument as well as a doctrinal argument. Yep. And uh, it becomes a linguistic argument, too, for some who are skilled in that. I am not. 
but it is a historical argument. It is a doctrinal argument. And uh, I think it's been my experience when I give that introductory message that lots of people tell me, okay, now I understand. Good. You know, there are, there are reasons, and there are reasons that the average person can relate to. Yes. Now, I would say that uh, one of the I, – I think you and I were talking about it. I don't know if it was before the podcast or during the podcast, and that there is – there isn't a lot of material out there on the King James issue as far as on our side, the positive side. And yet, I know there is a lot of material out there, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Part is we're independent Baptists. Independent Baptists don't have a hub where everything flows through. Um, the Reformed, sure. the Evangelicals, um, for instance, Lifeway, um, uh, you look at the Reformed, uh, some of those f- flow through Westminster or there's, you know, big groups out in California. So they, they've made these hubs that they have, they actually do have a lot of money and they become publishing agencies too. And be, the, the nature of independent Baptists, we're kind of independent. Um, I'm not saying that we need to make some hub, but it is important that we have materials uh, available. Sure. Uh, so that Absolutely. people can people can digest this information, and we're not trying to be complicated. Like that's why I asked the question about languages. Some people think, "Well, I don't know any languages." Well, the the problem I have when somebody says that is, so is Second Peter one still there in the Bible? Because if Second Peter one is there, then it says that the Bible is not of any private interpretation. And if, right. if I have to know the original languages to understand the King James Bible, then we're going back to the Dark Ages. And uh, and I don't believe God wants us to go back to that era. And, and that is the end result when people begin to adopt translation yes. Yes. solely yes. because some preacher said so, yep. without any idea of the reason. Yep. Or, or the one reason they've heard is that it's new, yep. as if that was a qualification for Bible translation, is that it's new. Yep. And uh, I think a lot of there is a lot of information on our side. Yes. Some of it, very frankly, is highly technical and is yeah. not easy for people I to know. listen to. It's good, but yeah. it, it's not designed for the average church member. Yeah. Some of it is harsh in its way of dealing with people. Yeah. And and we're constantly under attack. Yes. And there is a temptation to harshness. Yeah, I know. When you're answering attacks. Yes. But but it, it hasn't served the cause well. Yes. Uh, but I understand it. Yeah, I understand it. I understand but, that too because it's just, yeah. I mean, you're getting attacked really hard, almost made to seem like you're an imbecile or you're archaic, all these different things. And I know myself, I mean, I'm, you know, so you've been at it 51 years. I've been at it over 30. So, I mean, you got five decades, I got three decades, and I study all the time. You probably have multiple degrees, I have multiple degrees, and I'm still studying. All right, I don't stop studying. And then somebody comes up and says, you're an imbecile. And you're like, all right, I, I don't even know what to say, except smack you. <laughs> yeah, and, and th- th- that is, when you're punched, there yeah. is a tendency to punch back. Right. And then the folks who punch you, uh, well, they're martyrs. Yes. How, how yeah. dare you answer? You know? uh, yeah. well, but it is true that we have to check our attitudes all yes. the time. That is part of the process. Yeah, so it's important. the last thing, uh, and then... Uh, we'll just try, we'll tell people, listeners, 
listening because uh, we're both busy. We'll try to schedule something in the next couple months that we can do some follow-ups because this issue is resurging really heavy again. Surely is. So in, in March, I think either you or the pastor, I think it's Pastor McNeese, is addressing, uh, I think, an unethical position, and that is how to transition your church from King James to... Yeah, yeah to- I, I'm speaking to that. As we have several speakers at that meeting. Manny Rodriguez is speaking to that, and I'm speaking to it. Yeah. To me, just the ethics of it. If to, Well, you know this. You've been around. There's lots of churches out there that are NIV or ESV or any other version. And if that's the church and if that's your position, go for it. But to come in and the church is this way, and then you're going to transition them. I mean, to me, that's ethically, and, there's some problems there. And, and all this attention was generated by some independent Baptist men yep. holding a conference discussing how to transition a church from the King James to modern version. Yeah, I, I would title that slightly different, how to transition a King James church to the modernist version. Yes. But point one, I give to, and this is not based on those men or what they've done. I'm not familiar enough with them to know what they've done. But I've been watching churches do this for decades. Yes. And uh, ten ways to transition your church. Here's number one. Lie to the pulpit committee when you're candidating for it. So that you make the church think they're getting King James man when all along you know you're going a different direction. Yes. I have friends that I dramatically disagree with on the text issue and the translation issue that I still respect. Yes. But I do not respect people who operate out of deceit. Yes. And are not open and honest about their agenda and their doctrine yep. and what they're trying to do. Yep. That I do not respect. Yep. Well, like I said, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, you get got a lot of things on your plate, and so I appreciate you taking time to be with us. My pleasure. And we'll try to follow up uh, in the future with this King James uh, controversy, we'll call it. Thanks for your time. Thank you. You're certainly welcome. God bless. Thank you for listening to Baptist Vices. We trust you were challenged to find a biblical path for navigating through some differences within Baptist churches. Join your host, Dr. Steve Dameron, next week for another engaging podcast. May God richly bless you. Thank you.